How's everybody doing? Hanging in there? That uh, song, last song, was certainly appropriate for many of us. We have great burdens, and we need to lay them down. As I've talked to several of you this past week, got notes and things, I, I know this is a difficult time, a time of questioning, a, a time of uncertainty. For some, it's even a time of pain and sorrow. So I've decided to take a short break out of our journey through the book of Romans. I still plan to finish that book. I'm just, uh, that's, that's my goal. Uh, my desire today is to give some foundational, encouraging truth from God's Word. Truths that I believe can ground us in the days and the weeks and the months to come. These truths are about God and about how He relates to us. Truths that I pray will empower us to lay down our burdens. I love the uh, Pilgrim's Progress. Some, one of our small groups is going through that. Which group? Uh, Chuck's, Chuck, Kate's group going through that when finally Christian lays down his burden or gets his burden lifted. That's my, the best part of that. These truths that we're going to look at can be found throughout Scripture, and there are more. If, if we were going to spend, we, would, we could do a year of sermons on truths about God that would help us lay down our burdens, but I'm going to focus just on one psalm this morning, Psalm 46, which begins, To the choir master of the sons of Korah, according to the Almoth, a song. This is a hymn uh, sung by the children of Israel in celebration of God's presence among them. And it applies to us as well because we too are God's children. We too experience His presence. And for us uh, Christians, it's an even greater presence that we experience. So take these words to heart. God is speaking to you this morning. The psalmist writes, continuing in verse 1 of Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Salah. That word salah means pause, so we're going to do that. Pause for a minute and allow these words to sink into your mind. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Salah. Again, pause and allow God's word to wash over your soul. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how He has brought de desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. 
Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Salah. One final pause to reflect and take God's word into our heart. So this psalm gives us uh, truths about God that that we can stand on. They're firm, uh, they're solid, and the psalmist reminds us again and again that God is present. He's in our midst, He's around us, He's with us, and as Christians, He's in us. And that reality, I pray, gives us hope and takes away our uncertainty and our fear in these uh, troubled times. Uh, 2020. Uh, I pray it goes down in history as maybe one of the worst years of all. I hope there's not worse to come. But it's been a difficult, even devastating year. Fearful for some, hopeless time for some. The year began with a worldwide pandemic reaching uh, this past week even to the president and his wife. COVID-19 has resulted in sickness and death of many which led to shutdowns of various segments of society, which resulted in financial, emotional, even physical difficulty for thousands, if not millions, around the world. And during all that, we've also experienced national unrest, peaceful protests, violent riots, even the takeover of districts of U.S. cities. The division in our country just seems to be growing by the day. And if, if that weren't enough... Along comes the wildfires ravaging the West Coast like like never before, polluting the air, destroying property, including homes, resulting in over 30 deaths. And there's more in the political realm. We've had to endure a presidential impeachment. Approaching presidential election may result in even more difficulty, division. If the debates last week were any indication... Divisions, bickering will certainly continue uh, no matter who wins. And those are just some of the major issues that our society is facing. There are also personal issues that some of us may be dealing with problems in relationships, with family, with friends, issues with physical or emotional health of ourselves or ones we love. And to top it off, this past week you get an email from the leaders of your church telling you that the staff is resigning. I mean, the people to whom you're uh, to turn in times of difficulty and uncertainty are causing you to experience difficulty and uncertainty. So what's up with that? Well, hopefully we'll hear more about that later. So if 2020 has taught us anything, is that the times uh, are always uncertain. And our lives in this world are far less stable than we might think or hope. More and more it seems like the only predictable thing about life is its unpredictability. So in the middle of the current social and medical and economic and even church upheavals that very few of us could have foreseen, how do we anchor our souls? Where do we turn? What do we do when our present circumstances seem far too difficult and confusing for our extremely limited abilities and understanding? For those who feel the world uh, is just crashing around, crashing in around them, 
and even for those who uh, just feel a little uncertainty and fear, I I want us to look at Psalm 46. And then in in this ever-changing, unpredictable, uncertain world in which we live, I want us to see truths about God that will reassure our minds, steady our souls, and calm our hearts. And the first truth the psalmist gives us is that God is your... And I'm going to add a couple words to... As, as I was reading through this, I go, there's, there's more than just this statement. God is, is your ever-present eternal protection. So you can add those E words uh, among the P words. Ever-present eternal pr- pr- protection. As human beings, we naturally, instinctually, if you will, uh, seek protection. We save money, we buy insurance, so we'll be protected financially. We wear masks, we social distance, we go to doctors and get checkups, we exercise, hopefully we get flu shots and vaccines to help protect our physical well-being. We install locks on our doors and windows to protect us from robbery or worse, and I could go on. The other day, Christina expressed some worries about walking our dog because there's, da- there's the danger of other dogs being loose and attacking. I think she was just hinting that she wanted me to go with her on these walks for her protection. So I, I think I did a better thing. I gave her a, a really light and sturdy golf club shaft. So protection, <laughs> she'll be protected when she walks. So God has clearly given us a healthy fear of pain and death and suffering. So we rightly, we naturally seek protection. But we must never forget that God is our ultimate, most effective, most sure uh, protection. Psalm 46.1 begins or continues, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. We must see God as our refuge. That's where we go and our strength. That's who we rely on. When there's trouble of any kind, financial, physical, emotional, spiritual, the creator of the universe, your very creator is available to you to help you. This has always been a reality for for God's people as, as as the psalmist, the sons of Korah, write to the children of Israel. But this reality can be enjoyed in an even deeper way now in Christ. In Christ... We can know that God is always with us and for us in our trouble and uncertainty because He proved it in Jesus Christ. Paul writes in Romans 8.32, He who did not spare His own Son but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Because of Christ... The Spirit lives inside of us, a very present help in time of trouble. And Jesus promised to never leave us or forsake us. God, uh, Father, Son, and Spirit are, are our present protection, a very present help in trouble of all kinds. And what does that mean for us? The psalmist continues, Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. This is a picture, uh, sort of, how many of you guys remember all those uh, disaster movies by Irwin Allen? Earthquake, Towering Inferno. Okay, old folks, 
give me some help. They were out there. I remember, I think it was earthquake. I took my mom to see earthquake for Mother's Day when I was a, a little kid. Uh, the picture here in the scripture is of major disaster. Mountains moving into the sea, earthquakes, floods. And what the psalmist is saying is that no matter what happens, no matter how long uh, COVID lasts, no matter how long our society remains divided, no matter how much uh, the fires consume, no matter who's elected president, and no matter how much uncertainty you feel about the future of your church, fear not. God is with you. He is your refuge and strength. He will protect you. But remember this. Your protection is not in better circumstances. Your protection, my protection, is not in avoiding problems. Actually, it's not in anything in this earth. Instead, our protection is in the very present Spirit of God. And the solid, uh, the solid work of Jesus Christ on our behalf, which has guaranteed our help and promise that we will make it safely home to glory. So know as a solid fact that God is your ever-present eternal protection. And also that second point, God is your ever-present eternal pleasure. Now some may think, uh, I hope nobody here thinks this. If you've been around here long enough, I hope you don't think this, but it's certainly a thing in the world, maybe in some churches, that God and pleasure, enjoyment, satisfaction, do not go together. That God is in some way against His people experiencing pleasure. That the Bible is in fact an instruction book on holy yet pleasureless living. But that is not the case. Our problem is, that we tend to uh, view pleasure and seek pleasure not in the things of God, but in the things of this world. We seek pleasure in sin, which is pleasurable for a season, but brings death. And we seek pleasure in the things of the world that, that may not be sinful, but when we allow them to take precedent over our relationship with God, over what God offers to us, then even the, the non-sinful pleasures of this life can become sin. They can become idols. They can become substitutes for the pleasure to be found only in our relationship with God. And, and here's the thing we need to know. God wants you to experience great pleasure in Him. And He knows the best, the most lasting way to do that is in His presence. David makes this very clear in Psalm 16. You make known to me the path of life, you will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. It's in the presence of God that we can be filled with joy and experience eternal pleasures. And we see this in Psalm 46 as well. Remember, uh, the beginning of the psalm was filled with destruction, right? Irwin Allen movies, earthquakes, floods, with the raging seas, falling mountains. But the scene suddenly shifts in verse 4. It's much more serene here. There is a river which streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The picture is of, of life, a life-giving river. 
Sweet streams that make glad the city of God. There is joy and pleasures forevermore in the city of God. The city of God is a reference to Zion or Jerusalem, the place where God, where His temple, where the Holy of Holies uh, dwelt, the place where God is present, where God is among us. And for the Christian, because of Christ, God is now present in our lives. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the city of God. Therefore, He makes us glad. There is great pleasure in Him. And notice the psalmist says, she shall not be moved. The she must be the city of God, the presence of God in our lives. Which means the people in the city are glad. We rejoice in our safety within the city walls. Why? Because of the presence of God. We will not be moved because He is a very present, never failing help in trouble. Our safety and our gladness are secure. There can be no doubt that in the presence of the Lord, there are eternal pleasures to experience. And so when everything else uh, feels like it's impossible to enjoy, when there are just not Uh, Things are not going like you had hoped, like you had wanted. When someone or something throws a wrench into your plans, uh, when Satan steps in, when he tries to reach in and rob you of your joy, you can raise your eyes and realize and be glad that you are in the city of God. God is present even now in you. And one day... This is what uh, Tom was referring to this morning. There is the the present now, and God is present with us now, but there's something more. One day, you'll be with Him face to face in the new heavens, the new earth. When that glorious truth is firmly... When when we understand this, this glorious truth That God is in us. That God is seeking our protection and our, our, our pleasure in Him. When it's firmly rooted in your soul, nothing can steal your joy. No uncertainties in any area of life. And more than that, the psalmist says, God will help her, His city, His people, when morning dawns. We know and rejoice in the fact that when we wake up every morning, God will still be there. He doesn't leave in the middle of the night. His mercies are new every morning. Mercies that that will be enough for that day and mercies that will never run out. And in God's mercy, independent of our circumstances, there's great joy and gladness and pleasure. So God is our ever-present eternal protection and pleasure. Now, as human beings, did I say beings or beings? Because we are not human beings. We are human beings. You know, we also, we have this desire to protect, protect ourselves, but also the ones we love, to be a protector and to give pleasure, joy to those around us. Let's first think about the, the pleasure, bringing gladness, joy to another human being. I know for me, One of the important things, uh, the mottos I live by is happy wife, happy life. Can I get an amen? When Christina is happy, it makes me happy. But there have been times when I could not make her happy. I know you find that hard to believe. 
but there's more. In fact, there have been times when I've been the cause of her unhappiness. My ability, your ability to bring pleasure, happiness, joy is limited. And it's the same uh, with protection. This is going way back, but I remember in elementary school, I have very few memories, but this one stands out, uh, wanting to protect my little brother. There was an older uh, kid, boy, he's my age, he's picking on my little brother, and uh, you know how it goes, I'm the only one that could pick on my little brother. So I stepped in to provide protection. But the problem was, I didn't have the necessary protection skills. And I ended up in the principal's office crying my eyes out with a bald spot where he had pulled, yanked out a bunch of my hair. In reality, I couldn't even protect myself. My ability, your ability to protect is limited. The point I'm trying to make is that just because we want to bring pleasure or protection doesn't mean we can do it because we're limited. But what about God? Everything the psalmist has said so far about the protection and pleasure we experience in God's presence would be for nothing if God weren't strong enough to bring it about. And so, as he continues, he makes it clear that God is your ever-present eternal power. Beginning in verse 6, we're told of, of his mighty power. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how He has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. The entire world rages and totters. Everything conspires against you. The whole power of the cursed world uh, heads in your direction. Maybe that's how you've been feeling lately. And so we ask, what will God do? Well, He'll simply utter His voice. Uh, And the earth melts. It melts. The God of hosts, the God who fights on our behalf, is with us as our fortress, our protection. And all He has to do to win the battle is to open His mouth and speak. And then to prove His power, the psalmist calls us to look at His works He's brought desolation, he's stopped wars, he's broken bows, he's shattered spears, and he's burned chariots with fire. In other words, nothing is a match for him. He is the eternally reigning champion. And what the the psalmist says, that's what the psalmist says, his power is awesome and unlimited. And from this side of the cross, we can even go further. God has sent his son to die for our sins And in death-defying power, He raised Him up in victory, guaranteeing our final victory. Come, behold the works of the Lord. Nothing that rises against Him can stand. Every negative thing that's happened in 2020 and everything that may happen in 2021 and beyond, God's power is more than sufficient to deal with. And that power is present in our lives. That power is present around us. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So in these uncertain times, as we face the unknown in so many areas, 
Know that we're standing on the solid, all-powerful, unlimited rock of Jesus Christ. He will not be moved. He is our present protection, pleasure, and power. But why? Do we ever ask that? Why? Why does He protect us? Why does He give us pleasure? Why does He use His unlimited power on our behalf? What is, uh, fourth point, God's purpose? Well, He certainly is present with us and provides us with protection and and pleasure out of His great and loving uh, kindness, His mercy and His grace unto us. But that's not His only or even primary purpose. That becomes clear in the final verses of Psalm 46. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. In the final verse, verse 11, uh, the psalmist reminds us again that the Lord of hosts is with us. God is present. And, And he repeats the promise that God will protect us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. But in verse 10, he tells us why God promises his protection, his pleasure, his power. Why does he promise it to us fragile and uncertain people? He says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. God's primary purpose in all things is his glory. God's promises he will glorify his name in all the earth. And what I want us to see is that that, that is outstanding, uh, great, good news of great joy for his people, for you and for me. Because the way he reveals his glory, the way he's exalted is by showing that he is the greatest protection. He's the greatest pleasure. He is the greatest power. And we're the beneficiaries of his protection, of his pleasure and his power. In Jesus, God has pledged it all to us. Jesus has taken our punishment. Uh, Now all we know is grace. So in these uncertain times, when we're so tempted to wonder if God will continue to shelter us with His protection, satisfy us with His pleasure, sustain us to fight another day with His power, our answer is, of course He will. Because His name's at stake. Of course he will, because he's working in me to keep me and sustain me for his glory. Again, this means we can trust God to do what's best for us to reach uh, our eternal pleasure with him. It means that even if his protection looks like uh, taking everything else away, remember it's, it's for his glory, but it's also for our good, maybe Maybe things have to be removed. Health, comfort, convenience, friends, family, jobs, pastors, or whatever. He will keep us safe and glad in Christ. It means He will help us to make it through uh, all times, especially the uncertain ones, because His name is invested in our lives, in the lives of His people. So we've seen that God is our ever-present protection, pleasure, and power. And we've seen that His purpose in all of this is His glory. And I pray that that brings you uh, great comfort. 
great comfort in times of pain and times of uncertainty that you may be experiencing. But there's one more thing that we can learn from this psalm. The psalm is mainly, and I believe rightly, as most of the psalms are, uh, about God, teaching us who He is. And so we can behold His glory and we can be transformed. But it also includes a, a very well-known application, which I saved for last. That is, uh, number five, our practice. This is our response to all we've seen about who God is and what He provides for us. Besides the command in verse 8, which is sort of a, uh, not really a do this, it's sort of a come, behold the works of the Lord, see what God has done. That's really, uh, besides that, this is the only other command in the passage. The psalmist writes, verse 10, be still and know that I am God. So what should our normal practice be when life is uncertain? Or to be still in God's presence, to stop, to pause, maybe to whisper a prayer of thanksgiving, God, thank you that you are present, to whisper a prayer for help, Lord, help me in this, and we're to know that he is God, we're to remind ourselves, do you preach to yourself? That's what we're to be about. Be still, and that's a time of preaching to yourself. Know that He's God. Remind yourself that God is God, and uh, that means we are not. You are not. I am not. That He alone has the strength and the power and the will to deal with the, all the uncertainties in our life. We trust Him to be our, our mighty fortress. Randy just told me uh, this morning, that uh, this psalm was uh, Martin Luther's inspiration for the hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Sing that song, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. We trust Him to be that fortress and to bring new mercies and to work His power on our behalf, whatever it takes. In our stillness, knowing He is God, we trust that He's enough, that He's sufficient. And then we ask Him for help to trust Him more uh, through the uncertainty and pain to give us more of Himself in those troubled times. As we face the many challenges and uncertainties that lie ahead in our nation, in our personal life, in our church, I'd call us to practice on a, on a moment-by-moment basis. As fear begins to enter in, be still. And know that He is God. He's got this. Whatever this is, whatever may come, God is in control. Amen? And so as we now come to communion, let us be still and know that He is God together. That He is God in our lives, that He is God in our nation, that He's God in our church. That in Christ, because of Christ's sacrifice, because of Christ's broken body and spilt blood, we are forgiven, we are saved, and we are protected from the wrath of God, from eternal hellfire. And more than being protected, because of Christ, we'll experience eternal pleasure. 
By His broken body and shed blood, Christ saved us from an eternal hell and He saves us to an eternal heaven. Eternal joy in His presence where there are pleasures forevermore. Remember that your salvation, my salvation, is not of our own doing. It's a work of God through the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ. At the cross, we find uh, the protection of God, the pleasure of God, the power of God, and the purpose of God. By His great power, God's purpose, His glory is seen as He accomplishes our eternal protection and pleasure on the cross of Jesus Christ. So if, so if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, be still and know that He is God as we partake of this bread and this cup, symbolizing His broken body and His spilt blood.